Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, welcome in, everybody, to the GC Live postgame show. The Gamecocks falling in the regular season finale today to Clemson 16-7. to That's right, 16-7, to despite the Gamecocks not allowing a defensive touchdown. The offense was not able to figure it out. That Clemson front seven giving them fits all game. And I certainly think that is where we have to start tonight. Joining me as he's been joining the entire season is former Gamecock offensive lineman Garrett Anderson. And Garrett, I talked about that offensive line going up against Clemson's front. We knew that this was probably going to be one of the better fronts that they were going to see all year. You could put it in there with Texas A&M and Tennessee. Do you feel like when we look at the offense as a whole, we start to break things down as to why this didn't work, that – does it feel like you have to start right there? The inability to run the football and trying to find ways to just get some type of rhythm. You know, there's a lot of frustration with with what Loggins is doing on the offense, but I, you know, you got to stop and think. If you can't run the ball at all, inside zone, outside zone, any kind of pin pull stretch type stuff, you've got nothing there. If you remove the entire half of your offense, what are you really left with? You know, and and there are a couple of times where we gave enough protection, but you know, if you got to keep in seven guys to protect. I mean, that leaves you with three guys out there running a route versus, I mean, there are a lot of times where they brought five people and got pressure within three seconds. It's just not enough. Um, it starts with the O-line, but, I mean, to say that's a, a something new, it, it's just it's a broken record at this point. But at the end of the day, you know, what can you expect from Rattler in those kind of situations? And you, and you know, naturally, some people are going to ask, like, okay, wait a minute. They've had to go through this issue the entire season. We saw with South Carolina over the last couple of weeks, you're able to play the same starting offensive line. Again, I, I understand from a fan standpoint, they want to be able to point at something to be able to say, why was it? Why was that the case? I know that you don't necessarily know all the, you know, the blocking assignment calls, but just from your experience and watching tonight and watching over the last couple of weeks, especially these last two weeks, why don't you think South Carolina wasn't able to get the offense generating these last two weeks like the way they were earlier in the year? I think a lot of, you know, you know, Mario getting beat up a little bit too is kind of hurting us too. But I think there's a lot of times where like, you know, we haven't had the greatest run game all year, but we've at least had a semblance of a run lane. You know, there were numerous times where we didn't block a soul up front. And it, I don't think Clemson's front's that much better than, I mean, I don't say Kentucky, but, you know, let's talk about Florida and other teams like that, that they have the culture to bring in good players regardless of their, their um, record. It's just, it's a complete joke when we're out there. I, I don't really know what else to say other than, you know, I, yeah, it's, it, it is one thing, but, you know, it's not as if the whole – it was the only issue. There's a lot of things we had going on today that, you know, started with the O-line, but it was kind of a team effort there. Intern Joe, just your thoughts from watching it from afar tonight? Yeah, my initial thoughts, obviously, like Mike said, I'm back home. Um, but so I caught all of it on TV. My initial thoughts are, you know, that's a really tough game to lose, especially on home turf. You've got Williams-Brice Stadium as packed to the brims um, as you did. The atmosphere seemed – Great, um, as always, but, I mean, that's a really tough game to lose. Um, ultimately, you couldn't get the run game going. You're already short at running back, and then Mario Anderson takes a really hard hit early in the game, is shaken up, doesn't really play the same 
after that. And then you're down to DJ Braswell um, and, and to carry on. Joiner's banged up. South Carolina's banged up across the board. Mike and uh, Garrett talked about the offensive line already. Uh, you know, it seems porous tonight, but give credit to Clemson's defense. Give credit where credit is due. That, that front seven is one of the best that South Carolina, you know, has played all year. I would rank them up there with Georgia, Tennessee. Scary front seven. They got the job done um, for Clemson tonight. And I think, you know, that was the difference, right? Their front seven. I wasn't as impressed with their DBs and their defensive backfield, but their front seven is really what caused all of the issues for the South Carolina offense tonight, and which was the reason why South Carolina couldn't pull it off. I do want to get into the defense in a little bit, but it's really difficult to even move to them right now and give them praise, which they certainly deserve. We've talked about this over the last three weeks. They started to play some really good football these last three weeks of the season. There'll be plenty of time to go back and evaluate the season as a whole, not just defensively, but in all three phases and just as a program in general. We will certainly do that. But having said that, Garrett, it's difficult not to – continue to look at the offense. And as you mentioned, it's not just the offensive line. And I know that to some people, it's so easy just to say, well, no, 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 it's that. No, sometimes it is pre-snap assignments, right? Quarterback may have misidentified something. We saw that a couple times. It felt like where guys came off freely and that could have been on Rattler. There was, there was times too, right? Where the running back may have missed the blocking assignment. And when you have Mario Anderson out there and behind him, and I know DK battled through and tried to play tonight. God bless that young man. I told you right after the game alone, DK's walking around the stadium just thanking fans. And I can only imagine what the emotions are going through his head after six years. But I say all that because the offense as a whole, this is something that we saw, especially last week. And for whatever reason, obviously the answer that you look at first is, well, it's a good Clemson front, but they weren't able to adjust. Xavier Leggett—he took a shot early on to the knee. I thought that played an impact in him not being able to create the separation that we've seen him do. I think, Garrett, to me, and I don't know about you, to me, I was just holding on to the hope. I was hoping that, hey, maybe this is going to be a situation where South Carolina hits the home run play like we've seen over and over and over. I just don't know what else to really say about the offense tonight. Well, and I mean, like Matt uh, said in the comments, I mean, that's the one thing about it was that Clemson gave us so many opportunities to win that game, and we just never took advantage of it. You know, our defense did play really good, and we will talk about it, but um, the amount of times we gave, you know, our defense gave us a ball back and gave them a three and out, a three and out. I mean, there's just things like that that just, it's not going to work. Um, yeah, you know, keep bear in mind, too, you know, we're talking a little bit about a couple different players that are are banged up. We, the O-line is actually pretty injured. You know, I, and this is another thing, too, and this is just sort of a question that I think a lot of people will talk about going forward since this is the last game of the season all we got to look forward to with spring ball at this point is what do you do with a lot of the guys on the coaching staff you know let's talk about all the different injuries you had on the offensive line let's talk about the amount of people i mean you got garjulo who was not a center he is a guard he's a guard that's a, a a place holder tackle who we had playing centered who's been banged up all year multiple injuries here and there that I mean, a lot of guys don't even really know about it. He's just playing through, you know. Oh, yeah. it's we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. We talked about this because I didn't want to seem like I was bringing up excuses with certain players. But one thing that I learned prior to today's game, Gargiulo has been dealing with a busted up hand. And as some of you may have noticed throughout the course of the season, there's been times where some of those snaps have come out low. And some of that has to do with the fact that he has to grip the ball a little bit differently. He's having to choke up on the football. And that's why, because his hand is so busted up. But going back to your point, 
Number one, he's having to play out of position simply because the offensive line has been so banged up, number one. Number two, it also goes to show that he's their best option at center. Uh, and, and, number, and, and, and on top of that, number three is just simply the fact that because of all the injuries, if Gargiulo were to go out, right, like, hey, I'm, t- I'm, I'm hurt, you know, I got to step out. Who would you have thrown in there? So that's the problem. So, look, I get it. It's real easy to look at certain players, Gargiulo one in particular, and be like, man, this guy, what a bu-. – no, no, no. This guy was doing a lot. And there's also, two as the offensive lineman, there's things that you don't see that he's having to cover up for some of the other guys on the O-line because of it. Again, I don't bring that up to make excuses for anyone. We're just talking about that. But it goes to show that they were there were multiple issues with this team. Injuries definitely piled up on the O-line. And – Unfortunately for USC, even though they were able to get healthy to a degree at this point of the season, you're all going to be banged up. I mean, bearing in mind that you know, we talk about how frustrating the O line is, but we got a guy who's a transfer from Yale who's been playing with multiple injuries and playing a position that he's not comfortable with, and that's still the best guy at the position. You got to understand whoever is behind him or whatever the next option is clearly so much farther behind that person. And granted, we got a lot of guys who need to have a year in the weight room, a year in conditioning and a year just learning how to play off the line in the SEC. And I'm hoping that our spring looks way different than, you know, this last game here. But at the end of the day, I, I I'm going to put it on talent. Yeah. Um, I, I do like Lonnie and Adkins. I think they're both really good at what they do now. Like we've talked about all year. At the end of the day, there's a lot of good coaches who get fired, and a lot of bad coaches who keep their job. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to do the job. And if the job's like getting done, you got to make moves. I'll bring this one up. We've talked about it before. And again, we'll talk more about this on Tuesday's night, Tuesday night show, um, as we, you know, kind of focus on tonight's game. But we've talked about this before. I, I don't think it's on Luke Day. I mean, we can get into that more um, in the offseason. But when you look at the injuries, specifically on the offensive line, I mean, you can look at it across the board. It's not like these injuries are the same exact injuries, right? We, we've talked about it before. There's been schools. I mean, I've been part of one, but there's been schools out there. Shoulder injuries happen over and over, and you can point back and be like, hey, why are we having so many issues with shoulders? South Carolina's offensive line, and for the injuries, for the most part this season, it wasn't just one injury, right? It wasn't just this was the same thing. Some of them were freak injuries. Now, we can really dissect it at some point and say, are they overtraining at points? And, you know, again, we can get into that in the off season, but big picture, I would say no to that. I don't know if you necessarily agree. So this is the one thing that I kind of lean on. This is kind of my viewpoint. I've coached at the college level and I kind of understand just how the business works. At the end of the day, if the O, and this is what I'm meaning with Lonnie. I think Lonnie knows what he's talking about. I think he knows what he's doing. I think he just has a lot of banged up, less talented players. If we don't like the way the O-line's playing and you have to make a move, you make a move. It's the same thing with Luke Day. I think Luke Day knows what he's doing. I think he's a very good coach. I think he's good for the program. But if we keep on having all these soft tissue injuries, it's kind of on the head coach to make moves. It's not something fun. And this is kind of where I kind of go back with Clayton White. If you were to ask me middle of the season, what do you do? You got to make move. You got to bring somebody else in. But then if you look at the progression towards the end, and guys, granted, you know, this isn't like a sideful thing where you had the last game and the bowl game and things look drastically different. Sorry, Tennessee, too. We also understand this is just kind of, I think we all have come to the conclusion on this was that clearly someone else was making those calls because the difference was so night and day. This has been a progression of you've got younger linebackers, you've got younger players figuring out the offense, knowing where they need to be. I mean, golly, watch how many times today you had guys who are freshmen and sophomores learning throughout the season where they need to be, when they need to be there. That's coaching. And so what do you do with someone? Like, and I don't know the answer. This is more of a you know uh, question for the, the future. What do you do with those kind of coaches that – you know, if your job is getting it done right, great. If it's not, you have to, I have to make a move. Yeah, and again, 
we're going to have a lot of talk about this offseason because, unfortunately, South Carolina, they're not going bowling. Now, there's a possibility. I know people are talking about, oh, five and seven. We're not even going to entertain that thought. We're not even going to entertain that thought right now. Okay, If it happens, great. We'll talk about it in a couple days. But right now, bottom line is five and seven, end of the regular season. Looks like the season's done. And the Gamecocks will be heading into year four of the Shane Beamer era next season. Before we start to – again – we can hit on certain things now because the season's done. I really don't want to make this into a end of the season review show because we'll have plenty of time to do that throughout the off season. But defensively, these last three games, and I know some people are going to look at like we're talking like, oh, the glass is half full. Bottom line is they lost tonight. Okay, they lost. Having said that, the reason why you were even in this freaking game, the only reason why you were here in the fourth quarter with an opportunity to come back and win this game, despite the fact that your offense only had one freaking touchdown, is the fact that your defense didn't allow one touchdown tonight. They had the defensive touchdown early on, second play of the game. Clemson scored, and then they only allowed three other field goals. So I bring that up, Garrett, because – Last three weeks of the season, certainly forcing turnovers was a big, big emphasis for this defense, and they were able to do a lot of it. Would have liked to have seen another one tonight, but Nick even worry for a second straight week, forces an interception in the end zone. Fortunately, the Gamecocks weren't able to do anything with that offensively. But having said that, what did you just notice from this defense? I know you were talking about the linebackers, yep. but just the defense as a whole out of these last three weeks, especially today. Well, we were just talking about, you know, the, the three plays in my mind that change this game drastically are the second offensive play where we threw the ball behind the line, which is seven points. You remove that. You have the intentional grounding call, which I still think was not right. Um, <laughs> you sneak on in here? You sneak on in. Yeah, but we got, we got another yeah, we person got, that hopped on in. Michael Skarnecki is joining us. We're going to push this thing on back. We'll get to Mike in a second as Garrett wraps up his thoughts on the defense. Uh, you, you know, you have the intentional grounding issue, um, which you remove that bad call. That's three points. And the other thing, there was a call that was bad in this drive, and I'm blanking on it, but then whenever we missed that interception, um, if we catch that, that's the other three points. If you remove those three plays, we're winning that game seven to three. Now, the offense has got to do better than seven freaking yeah. points, but that's kind of what I'm getting at. Mike, I'm sure you're going to repeat a lot of the same things that we just talked about with the offense, but – but just your overall thoughts tonight. I mean, you're, you've you've unfortunately have probably been part of games like this where the defense does their job, and as an offense, you're just not able to get enough offense generated. You're not able yeah. to get those home run plays. You're not able to get the run game or the quick game going because you're going up against a really good front, and that throws off the rhythm completely. I mean, just your overall thoughts of what you saw tonight. Yeah, obviously the defense played well overall. I mean, they they shut down their run game. K, they made K in the – forced a lot of throws. I don't want to say he made a lot of mistakes, but they forced him in an interception. He couldn't make a lot of – he couldn't get into his rhythm that he was hoping for. And they gave our, our offense a lot of opportunities this game. And what really frustrated me, I think, is that our run game was completely flat tonight. And we kept trying to hammer it and hammer it, especially on down and distances that we probably should have been doing some type of variation, whether it was doing a flat route, which has been successful these past several weeks with Simon, or doing some type of screen, trying to just get a variation in there instead of just trying to do these outside zones or inside zones that just flat out weren't working. And they were putting us into second and longs, third and longs, and it was putting a lot of pressure on Spencer, especially considering how much pressure the defense Clemson was getting on him. And so he wasn't having time to just sit back there while we did have receivers getting open downfield. Xavier was open, I think, most of the night. Um, and again, you know, I think you guys probably have already talked on this, but the first drive, you know, that just set the standard and set the tone for the rest of the game, I think. And especially for offense. And, you know, I thought we were going to bounce back from that. And we I don't think we really fully recovered from that drive the entire rest of the game. But, you know, it, it, from overall, I think we 
it was a disappointing uh, performance from our offense, and I don't think it was completely just our players' fault. I think the game plan fell flat too. Yeah. You mentioned the game plan. We look at what this offense did throughout the course of the season, and certainly there were times where it wasn't great. But we started, especially at home, they were very explosive. You went up against, you know, two good fronts these last two weeks. Okay, let's just call for what it is. Kentucky, not the like not the 86 beers, but they had some good guys up front. Yeah. Clemson certainly, some talented guys up front. What was it you think that, that just changed for this team over the last couple of weeks? I mean, I, I know it's the million dollar question. If you had the answer, I mean, yeah. shoot, you'd be the OC. Yeah. You know, I think obviously they've been trying to find a variation in this run game, and it just has not been effective. And I think with the offseason coming, that's one thing we're going to have to focus on is how we can become effective with this run game because you see what it does to the pass game and how much pressure it puts on, especially even if you have an elite QB. We're also going to have to find some depth at receiver. I think we saw it today with just separation, uh, making contested catches throughout this game. There were some plays I think that could have been huge for us if we would have made those contested catches or made some more separation for Spencer. But, you know, I think it's hard to call plays when you don't have all the assets you need, both depth of offensive line and continuity with that, and then a, a lack of depth in the run game where we don't have a lot of variation because we just we can't get a, a rhythm going there. So, uh, you know, we're going to have some things to figure out in the offseason going forward, especially I think when the portal opens up yeah. Thursday. Some, some I mean, the, por the portal's been opening up with some of these FCS schools. I talked about it. One of – you had about 15 Yale players here coming down, about 40 members from Nick Arjula's family, and one of those big left tackles, 6'9", 308 pounds, has been getting looked at by some other Power 5 schools. Wasn't a visit here tonight, but he got to take in the environment. It was a great environment. But I, I bring that up, though, because going off from what Mike said, Garrett, and well, again – We'll talk. We'll have plenty of time to talk about the offseason and all, like you know, the, the wish list and what's need to, needs to happen. But just piggybacking off some of the things that he talked about, just moving forward with this. So, what would you like to see? I mean, said it best. You know, this is the same stuff we've been talking about all year. Same stuff we've been talking about for twenty years. I mean, we we got to get the pieces in here to get the job done. I know a lot of guys want to talk about coaching and heck, I, you know, a couple guys talking about logins. I mean. And Scar, you probably know more about this than and from the pass game aspect, but I, I feel as if the first half of the year, our play calling was great. And for some reason, the last couple of games, it just seems as if maybe Loggins is just the bag is empty. He doesn't know what else to call, or maybe there's been just such a the amount of like, I need these couple of plays to work to set up everything else. And then you you run those plays early in the game and they don't work, and therefore you go, I got nothing else. Now, granted, if you're getting paid millions of dollars, you can't just sit there and go, yeah. I got nothing else. But it, it seems as if it's at some point, you know, I think Loggins definitely knows how to do it. I just don't know why he hasn't done it for the last three weeks. So we sit here, five and seven, yeah. no bowl game. You lose to Clemson. And because you're not going to a bowl game, that offseason just becomes that much longer, right? You're going to be thinking about a lot of things, and we're going to be talking about more what-ifs. Not saying that we wouldn't have, just like we did last year, but like we've seen historically from South Carolina coaches in the last, what, I'd say 20, 30 years, not a lot of coaches have had a lot of success in that year three for whatever reason, for whatever reason. I say all of that because before you know it, we're going to be talking about year four of the Shane Beamer era. Yeah. And you have some young, talented players here. You saw some of that tonight. Some of those guys continuing to come on over these last couple of weeks. It doesn't do anything tonight. It doesn't help you out. It doesn't make you go to a bowl game or anything like that. But, Mike, and it's tough. Was there anything that stood out to you tonight that makes you just feel a little bit better about next year? And I know it's tough to think about right now. Again, you just lost to Clemson. There's no moral victories. 
But when we just look at what we saw, I mean, it could be something from the defense from what we saw the last three weeks, especially tonight. Yeah, I mean, it was good to see what the defense put together these past two weeks with getting turnovers, playing a really good overall game plan, having a good game plan against these two, I would say, two very good offenses. We saw what Kentucky did against the top 10 Louisville today. So it's not like we were facing some Joe Schmo terrible yeah. offense. That we They are a good team, and we shut them down for 10 points. And essentially, we shut this team down three points, six points on offense. You know, realistically, that we gave them, we gifted them 10 points, and they only scored by themselves about six points. So defensively, I thought we looked good, and we have a lot of young guys on defense. So that should be promising going next, going into the forward, or going into the future for next season. But I also think this is another thing that people may overlook, is our team was... Very well, we were three and two. We, we had a really poor record, two and five yeah, at one two point. And, two, two and yeah, two and five, two and, five. Two and six actually. Two and six. Our team, most fans, I think a lot of people could have anticipated or even expected what, what's happening. I'll bring you back oh, a little bit, so even they can see that head of you, <laughs> even expect that this team could have given up and we could have just went the rest of the season, maybe winning one game and having no chance for a bowl eligibility. But this team fought back. And I think that's one thing that we can attribute to Beamer and the culture he's building here yeah. is this team's always going to fight. Now the the important part is going to be getting the pieces into the, into the picture that are going to be getting us past that bowl eligibility, trying to fight for that, trying to fight now for even the SEC play or, or going into a better bowl game, a 10-win season. Something like that is what I think we're going to try to expect from year four or five from Beamer. But we see the culture he has, and I think we see a lot of promise with these young guys. Well, one thing I'm sure that's going to be frustrating, and we'll have time to talk about this offseason, I mentioned it throughout the course of the week. Some people asked me, was Juice Wells medically cleared? Yeah, he's been medically cleared. It was his choice. And I say that not to say, man, you know, Juice, what are you doing? But at the end of the day, whether it be Juice, whether it be any player, when you come back from an injury, it's not just are you physically ready. You have to be mentally ready. Now, there could be other factors into a player's decision, but I bring that up because there's been plenty of cases where players have been medically cleared, but they don't play. So but just to address that, yes, he was medically cleared. He chose not to play, but he's not the only one that has done that before in the past. And I'm not just strictly talking about South Carolina. Having said that, Juice Wells, earlier in the week, he says that he's going to be coming back to South Carolina. He's met with Loggins. He's talked about it. I bring that up because it looks like Spencer Rattler has played his last game here. You look at some of the pieces that you're going to be losing. A Spencer Rattler, most likely. A Xavier Leggett. And some of the amazing things that they were able to do offensively this season. What can you say, especially about those two guys in particular, about what they did for this offense? Certainly, not just them, the offense as a whole. They came up short tonight. But, I mean, man, for a team that finished 5-7, and seven, that record could have been a hell of a lot worse without those two these, this year. There's a lot of games that we watched this year that we we kind of sit back and go, if we didn't have Rattler, what what's our record this year? You know, we had a lot of guys who've kind of mentioned, like, you know, what a waste of a year. And I don't disagree. You know, I feel like with people like Rattler, you want to give them that Connor Shaw kind of a year, you know, that because they're a special player and you want them to have a special year. Now, I, I still think that he'll be able to look back on this year and realize how much he carried the program by himself. Um, I think that's kind of a special thing. I think a lot of guys go into colleges and want to be the guy. He was the guy here. It's not like he was surrounded by a bunch of, you know, first round picks, you know, him and Leggett are kind of the guys. And I think that they're going to both at least have that going forward. Mike, what can a guy like Spencer Rattler, especially this year, being able to work with a guy like Lenora Sellers? Because you have Doty in that room still. You had a guy like Rattler in there the last two years, but you only had a chance to work with Sellers for a year. You have Dante Reno enrolling in January. But I think a lot of people are looking at Sellers to be the guy. You know, what can a veteran quarterback, especially with the talents, the leadership, 
that Rattler has, what can that do for a younger quarterback? Yeah, I think it could do it for a lot. One, it's going to be a confidence builder. I mean, Garrett, you can probably attribute a lot of this to, to the young guys as well as a senior guy when you were playing. Is when you when you're able to instill some of the values and some of the work ethic that you, especially as a guy who is the leader of the team, a guy who continually puts in great performances in and out every every single week. You can talk to the younger guys and you can tell them what kind of work ethic they're going to need, what they're going to look for, where, how to train properly, how to film study. That's another thing, especially specifically the QB game, uh, play, is how to study film, how to approach your game, your game prep. Because a lot of people don't realize that is a very important part of what we do every single week when you're doing a game plan as a coach, as a player. And so when you learn how to study film, that can give you a lot of confidence when you go into the game. And so I think that's probably one thing Spencer has taught. Lenoris is probably, and, and the other guys all, all together as a group is just how to approach each game like a professional and how to study film. Uh, and I think I want to say some one thing to Spencer. Yeah. You know, listening to Loggins and what he said about Spencer in these post game interviews, it's it's very impressive what he said about how it'll be mid game and they'll talk about doing mid game adjustments just on their drops. You know, what I what we've seen from last year to this year for Spencer Rattler is just. I think it's tremendous, and I think he's shown these NFL scouts what kind of, I think what kind of professional he can be. I know a lot of fans throughout the course of the game. I saw it on the forum. I'm seeing it right here. Some people wanted to see Lenore Sellers get in there, and I'm not saying that a change of pace couldn't have helped. But Mike, you've been in situations like that. Garrett, you've been on the offensive line. Maybe you would have liked to have seen Lenoris get out there at some point. Maybe you would have just liked them to do something differently from a play-calling standpoint. What would you just tell to those people who would have liked to see the young gun get out there tonight? I mean, I think, you know, I had that question a lot when I was up in the box, but I think if the run game's not working with Mario, what do you think bringing Sellers in is going to do? I mean, if you bring in a guy who is a run-into-pass kind of guy, you just keep loading the box up. You know, you, you, you can throw the ball, and I think there's a lot of options there. But I feel as if, you know, kind of like what we talked about with the Kentucky game, it looks as if they're doing a lot of plays with Sellers to set up what's going to happen next week. But I feel as if, you know, a lot of things we did in the first quarter, they were potentially things. So if we can get the run game going, we'll bring in Sellers, kind of do some RPO-type stuff, but always have the run as kind of a threat. If the run game is just not a threat, it just doesn't matter. I, and, you know, there's a lot of things – if this was more of a throwaway game, then yes, I absolutely think that you gotta put him out there. But I think there's so many times where we needed a gunslinger to make impossible throws to get us in, get us through that game, and that's why you gotta keep Rattler in. Any thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, I, I honestly I, I agree with what a lot of Garrett said. Is you know a lot of it was setting up plays for Lenores to get in there. But I think with Spencer being the guy, you know, this game was a close game for most of the game, so you can't just take him out and put Lenores in there in critical situations. So. I understand what they did, and I don't blame them one bit for not putting Lenoris in there. Well, bottom line is we're going to see this young man next year, and we'll see what he's capable of doing. He's going to have an opportunity in a very, very, very young quarterback room. Having said all that, again, South Carolina, they had their opportunities tonight. They just weren't able to generate the offense needed. I think the more frustrating part of it all is you spot the team you spot Clemson seven points early on, Joe. You spot them seven points early on. Yep. And despite the fact of this defense doing a lot of good things tonight, and not just tonight, over the last three weeks, you gave this Clemson offense who really wasn't anything special. They really weren't. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the Gamecocks defensively, but they, they didn't really do anything special tonight. But because you didn't do anything from an offensive standpoint, you weren't able to help your D out. Yeah, Mike, I mean, it quite simply came down to the two running backs from Clemson. They had a net rushing yards of 
219. Um, so that's going to get the job done. And obviously Klubnik um, is also a threat with his legs. Um, and he's and right behind us. He's right behind us right now as um, a bunch of the Clemson players come out here to celebrate. But just want to continue. That's what you're seeing behind us right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, give credit where credit's due. Um, Shipley and Mafa are really, really, really talented players. Um, and they, you know, ripped up the South Carolina defense. I tweeted it in the middle of the game. It was kind of a death by a thousand paper cuts, really. Um, you know, yeah. by the way, the the Tigers were running the ball um, and, you know, they kind of what that offense was able to do is essentially throw the car in neutral and just kind of stall out the game. But um, I mean, the stat that I had was, I mean, we talk the story of this game is essentially like the offensive letdown of South Carolina. They were two of 13 on third down. Mike, I wanted to point that out. Did you hear that guys? Two of 13, Joe. On two third of 13 down, you said. Third down. I wanted to point that out um, because, you know, I think obviously the big story being the offensive letdown, to a convert like that, you need to in a rivalry game like that. I mean, you hear a stat like that, Mike. You're not gonna win. Trying to find something from a rhythm standpoint, two of thirteen. What does that do to an offense? I mean, I think it's easy. I think the answer is easy. We, we freaking saw it tonight. We saw it tonight. Yeah, hundred percent. You can't get any rhythm going. You don't. You put your defense in a bind because now your defense has to be on the field for way longer. And let's be real. If you look at most of those third downs that we had. I guarantee most of them were third and longs, third and eights, and, and beyond. A it's them. a lot of them. Yeah. So we weren't putting ourselves in good situations on third down, come first down and second down. We weren't prepping ourselves for the third down like we should have been doing. We kept, like I said, it comes down to the game plan that we had, and we weren't we weren't executing properly. And so, you know, when, we, when you're dealing third and ten against a defense that's very difficult to read and they bring a lot of pressure, it's going to make it difficult to convert third downs. I know you guys are former players, but I can just see the looks on your face as you turn behind you and you see Clemson celebrating on your field. These are photos that will get back to South Carolina players, and these are images that are going to be in your head all offseason. What, what does losing to Clemson to end the year do as a player, especially knowing the importance that for 365 days, this is what people talk about? So my uh, sophomore year was the year where they started five and one and ended six and six. And Spurrier said that we don't deserve to go to a bowl game. And that was by far the worst offseason of my life. Um, that was also the year following that was the year we went to the Outback Bowl and played Iowa. Um, you know, th these are kind of games that I think for especially the, uh, you know, bear in mind that Carolina beat Clemson at their house last year. So there's, of course, a lot of kids that want to take pictures in the stadium because, I mean, quite frankly, we made their, their year. I'm going to flip this around because it's not going to make Gamecock fans happy here, but this is what you're having right now. You know, you have Clemson players literally dancing on your grave right now. You have Klubnik and you have some of the Clemson guys going in the cockpit, taking photos, and and again, I mean, this is this is the images that we're going to see all offseason. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's what's going on. Don't really know what else to say um, as we wrap things up. Joe, you have any final thoughts? Joe. Joe. I got you. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, my final thoughts from this one, um, just really, really tough one to have on your home field um, for South Carolina. Rivalry game, rivalry week. Very disappointing game um, for the South Carolina offense. Defense stood on its head, played really well. Um, but just a couple costly turnovers, sealed the deal for you early on, and Clemson just, you know, death by a thousand cuts, essentially. It's a really tough way to lose, especially in front of your home fans, but um, you've got all offseason to think about it, and obviously the scene going on behind you guys will certainly resonate with, with the boys inside of that locker room as well, so, um, yeah. you know, a lot of work left to be done in the offseason, but, you know, 
lot excited, a lot of exciting stuff happening in recruiting wise. And there is there is a lot of stuff to look forward to. You know, I, I still will not be surprised if if in the spring game that we our O line looks a lot better. I think there's there's a lot of motivation. There's a lot of talent in that room. I think we're going to look really good up there. I hope we can keep a lot of the guys on defense there. But I think the next year is going to be, you know, not to make the most ridiculous comparison, but I mean. I think next year for uh, Sellers is going to be a lot like Tebow's sophomore year at Florida, where you see a lot of the potential for greatness. So he just needs to get a lot of those, you know, sharpened uh, edges kind of smoothed out. I think he'll be great. And I think he's going to have a really, really exciting New Year's year. I mean, there's so much to look forward to next year. I hope we get to do a bowl game this year. I hope we are one of those fill-in slots just so that, you know, these guys can get one more, you know, time to strap up. I know we had a lot of fun last year in the Notre Dame Bowl. Um but yeah, I'm going for. I think it's just gonna be a really big off season to really, really beat the hell out of each other and make each other better. Mike, final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we're gonna be losing some key assets next year. We know what Spencer brought to this team and brought to this organization, and so losing him is gonna be. I mean, it's gonna be a big loss for our program. And losing Xavier get number two receiver. I think that he didn't break the record tonight, but number two receiver and receiving yards for a single season. I mean, those are two valuable assets you're losing. But I think we have. Good recruiting classes coming in. We have a lot of young guys who got some good field time this year. And so we just build on that, like Garrett was saying, build on it this offseason, allow them to get continue film prep and film or, uh, and field session prep. And so you, you give those guys, it's just a lot about maturity and getting more comfortable on the field. Another thing is, you know, the nature of the game where we're at right now. You're going to have to hit the transfer portal. Yep. You know, we know where we're at. So instead of having to develop some guys, bring some guys in who are ready to come in and be able to fill those positions in. And I think this season has shown a lot of Gamecock fans and even our coaches where we're vulnerable at and where we need to fill positions in that. And so hopefully they hit this this offseason hard. Hopefully the NIL money keeps coming in so we can afford those guys. And, you know, I think this offseason is going to be big. We're going to have to continue to just develop our players. I think one thing to me as we have our final thoughts as we wrap here up tonight We've talked about it before with injuries, right? Offensive line, not just offensive line, but the offense as a whole, defensive as a whole. There were some really good things this defense showed, not just tonight, but these last three weeks. And while you will be losing some guys up front, you will be losing some guys in the secondary. There's a lot of young, talented guys that did some good things over these last couple of weeks, especially again tonight when you needed them the most. So I bring that up because you're hoping that you can build off of that. You're hoping that you can build off of that. Again, there's no moral victories. Bottom line is Clemson won tonight. Clemson beat you on your home field again. I mean, there's no other way to look at it. But the bottom line is you got to keep moving forward, right? This defense, they did some good things tonight. Unfortunately, the offense, it just wasn't there. And when you look at next year, and again, we'll have plenty of time to talk about it in the offseason. Tuesday night, we'll talk more about it. Schedule's going to continue to get tougher. Oklahoma's coming in. Texas is coming in. You got to play Bama next year. Next year, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, LSU. It's ridiculous. Okay. So the schedule doesn't get any easier. Having said all of that, you do have some younger guys that gain some experience, not just this season, but tonight as well. Joe, let's hit some ads and then we will wrap things up on this Saturday night. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Our first, as always, is our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. Tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call on the tax team at Liberty Tax, fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. 
locally owned and operated staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood open 99 weekdays and nine to five on saturdays with multiple service options start through the liberty tax mobile app or through the desktop portal make an appointment or just walk in give a call to upload your tax documents and when you come in your return will be ready to review and sign give them a call on your screen right now 803-462-5576 once again 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs and today's show is also brought to you by a good friend, Clint Hammond, over at the Movement Mortgage. If you're in the process of purchasing a home, looking for the best rate on the market, give Clint and his team a call. That's what our very own Wes Mitchell and his wife did when they were trying to purchase a home, as well as former Gamecock quarterback and captain Perry Orth and his wife, Shannon. Give Clint a call, longtime supporter of not just Gamecock Central, but as you see above every single one of these GC Live shows. And Clint Hammond's a guy that you know very well because the line of work that you work in, yeah. you guys have a lot of similarities oh yeah uh clint's a phenomenal lender he's a uh, very very good at what he does and uh reason why i know that so well is that i'm in real estate and i do a lot of stuff with him um you guys have any questions about the market anything coming up you know any kind of questions you got coming up uh let me know happy to help anywhere i came with real estate investing buying a new house what did the next couple of years look like yeah uh find me on instagram jga70 um happy to help anywhere i can well that's gonna do it we appreciate everyone that tuned in all season long for these GC Live shows through the good, the bad, and the ugly, because there certainly was plenty of that. Unfortunately for South Carolina tonight, there was some good on defense, but there was some ugly on the offensive side. And because of that, the Gamecocks just not able to get the victory tonight. Give Clemson credit, especially that front seven, causing havoc all night long. As the Gamecocks in the season, five and seven, and does not appear the Gamecocks will be going bowling. And I say that because I know there's a small chance they can still make it five and seven. If that happens, we'll talk about that. But as far as tonight goes, they're not going bowling. And that's just the bottom line. Appreciate it again. Everyone that tuned in this season, we appreciate former Gamecock quarterback Michael Skarnecki as well as former Gamecock offensive lineman Garrett Anderson for joining the shows with us all season long, as well as intern Joe and all of you, all of you who've listened to Thank these you. shows all season long. GC Live will continue to roll on on uh, Tuesday night. We'll keep the show going. Joe, I'm sure, will have the walkthrough tomorrow, so if you want to yep. listen to that. And if you missed any of our show today, missed any of our show today, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch it in its entirety. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. Again, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the beginning of the season all the way up in Charlotte to here at williams Bryce Stadium these last four weeks, we appreciate every single one of you that tuned in be safe tonight and we will see you tuesday night on gc live talking tuesdays as we recap the season that was and look ahead to what the gamecocks could be doing this offseason it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.